It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 34, 34 343, and 344 Chapters 48, 49, and 50 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Glinda Part 1, Glinda Part 2, and Glinda Part 1.5 and chapter 23 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Glinda, the Good Witch, Grants Dorothy's Wish Three, one, two, three is you and you and me One, two, three, three is he and he and she Three is the lucky number we are. Ha <laughs> ha! Bet you never thought you'd hear me quoting Sesame Street on this here show. But here we are. I don't think it was intentional to have so many three-part pieces of this story. Or at least, I don't remember it being intentional. The Three Islands, The Three Doors, The Three-Part Glinda the Good Experience. In all reality, I suppose I probably could have put all that Glinda stuff into one chapter. At the very least, put it into two. But that just wasn't the case. This week, we finally meet Glinda, one of my favorite characters. And I can picture her perfectly. Some of her powers are on display here, as she takes on the form of a child, a young woman, and an old woman. She comments on Dorothy's name being too old for her. I always thought the name Dorothy is one that just doesn't age well. It sounds old, like Martha, or Ruth, or ugh, Esther. Sorry, soups. Sorry, bats. Martha, it just is what it is. Not only is it an outdated name, but it's a really shitty reason to suddenly become best friends. And listen here, Ozark. Yeah, I finished Breaking Bad and have moved on, but Ruth is a bad name for your young character. I imagine there's some kind of deeper meaning behind it in the case of that show, but it's an old lady name nonetheless. And Esther? Come on. Why? Why would you do that to a kid? Also, for any potential Marthas, Ruths, and yes, even you, Esthers, I apologize. I'm sorry that you have old lady names. But hey, I was almost a Toby. Anyway, Dorothy points out that Glinda is an old name as well. Of course, this is a 
strangely sore subject for Glinda. She probably just doesn't like being reminded of how old she really is. It doesn't take long for the tension to mount. It becomes apparent pretty quickly that while this witch may have the good moniker, it doesn't mean she's any more stable than the others that Dorothy has met or heard stories about thus far. It doesn't seem like she's too eager to help until she finds out Dorothy has a delivery from the wizard. Dorothy tries to clarify that it's actually from Lothor, but Glinda's just not hearing it. We get a strange moment that implies a romantic relationship between her and Joseph. At the very least, she implies a personal history between the two of them. She even knows him by his actual name. It's never clear if she knows he's a fraud, though. You can probably assume at this point that she doesn't know of his tomfoolery and trickery. And it's pretty clear that she fears Lothor. It's also not clear if Joseph is aware what this book will do when delivered to the witch. If you want to think he's just being nice and getting it to who he thinks the proper recipient is, that's cool. If you want to assume that he knows of the dangers of it and simply wants to rid Oz of one more witch, that's cool too. It's up to you. Despite what you might think of these Aftermath episodes, I'm really not here to tell you what to think or what to take away from this book. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Art is subjective. We take from it what we want. Also, a little tidbit on my choice of voice here before we go on. I used my Dorothy voice from my reading of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz for the young version of Glinda. For the most part, I don't like to cross my voices. I don't mind recycling them for different projects, but I've tried to keep dark days from crossing paths with the wonderful Wizard of Oz because I don't want any confusion. I don't want anyone to think back on this one day and say, was that thing that happened in the Wizard of Oz or dark days? I mean, people might think that or get confused, but I don't want it to be because of the voice work. I thought this would be a fun and somewhat fitting crossover, though. The next chapter is one of the more violent moments in the book. Glinda is ripped apart and devoured by some unseen force. Part of me imagines the scene from Wes Craven's new nightmare, when Freddy kills the babysitter. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure it's the babysitter. Anyway, I digress. Glinda Part 2 is short. The main reason for splitting these chapters into three parts is because I wanted the experience to be seen from two different perspectives, and this just seemed like the easiest way to pull it off. Also, it seems like a good way to keep the mystery and tension going for just a tad bit longer. Once we get to Glinda Part 1.5... We finally see what's going on. The children coming out of the book. Another short and sweet chapter right here. Well, maybe not so sweet. There isn't much to say about 1.5. 
it's just violence. If anyone wants to psychoanalyze it and say I chose faceless children because of my fear that someday I will be at the mercy of the youth of America, and I fear what that youth might turn out to be, well, then go ahead and say that. Really, though, it's just because kids are creepy. Faceless kids are even creepier. And faceless kids with razor-sharp teeth? Whew, even creepier still. I just wanted something creepy. If I was reading Lovecraft at the time, it might have been a tentacle monster that symbolizes Oedipal issues or a desire to be an octopus. Or a desire to be an octopus with Oedipal issues. If I was watching Tiger King at the time, it might have been Carol Baskins, representing my fear of Carol Baskins. You get the idea. Sometimes, a story is just a story. Sometimes, you just write what you think is the spookiest. This week, we see a return to Baum's wonderful world we finally meet his version of Glinda. Don't get the movie confused with the book. In the book, it's not Glinda that meets Dorothy in Munchkinland. It's the Good Witch of the North. This, of course, makes sense. I mean, think about it. How good would a witch be if she knew all along how to get Dorothy back to Kansas? but still center on this crazy and murderous journey. Imagine you're lost somewhere, and you ask a colorful local for directions, and they say, oh, yeah, sure, just follow this road, and someone else will help you. So you follow that road, and that person, the one you think can help, is all like, sure, I can help you, but first... I need you to kill an old lady out west for me. So you do it. And then he's all like, Hey, turns out I kind of lied. That's a thing that I do. Uh, go talk to this person down south instead. Maybe they can help you. So you do. And that person turns out to be the first person you met. And they're all like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I totally knew how to get you home all along. <laughs> My bad. I, I kind of forgot at the moment. You know, I was going through some stuff. Yeah. Anyways, just, just click your heels together. Super duper easy. You'll be home in no time. That sounds like a pretty mean-spirited witch. Or, I guess at the very least, a very incompetent witch, if you ask me. But anyway, that's not the case here. Glinda is pretty nice. She inquires about each character's dreams and aspirations, uses the gold cap and the monkeys to help them achieve said dreams and aspirations, tells Dorothy how to get back home, and frees the monkeys from bondage. I know there's a better way to say that, but I really, really wanted to say frees the monkeys from bondage. I imagine the... 60s musical group in chains and shackles, being freed and let loose upon the world. What a wicked witch Glinda would turn out to be. Dorothy, of course, finally gets to go home, losing the silver slippers in the process, 
and sees a nice new house off in the distance. There is still one incredibly short chapter to come, but you're just gonna have to wait, because there's still more dark days to get through. I suppose if you're super impatient, you could go find that last paragraph of the book online somewhere. Totes cool if you do, by the way. I understand. I told you last week I still had some more to say about the three doors. And so I guess before I forget, I should probably mention that. Again, despite what you might think about these Aftermath episodes, I'm not here to tell you what to think. My goal is just to tell you how this story came to be, my inspirations and my goals, along with a uneducated commentary on the original book. That being said, the red door with the lion and the blue door with Mr. Scarecrow are obviously nightmares, visions, hallucinations, whatever you want to call them, they weren't real. Following that logic, one could assume that what you saw for the orange door in Dorothy was also a vision, a dream, a hallucination. I'm not saying it was a dream. I'm also not saying it was a memory or real. You're welcome to interpret it however you see fit. I'm about to spoil Inception, a film released in 2010. 11 years prior to this recording. I think the statute of limitations has expired. Seriously? You're not okay with me spoiling an 11-year-old movie? Okay, okay, fine. I'll cut the actual spoilers out. Or bleep them up real good. Or go all memento and just reverse the audio here. Either way, I'll post the real thing as a tiny special episode, so you don't have to worry about me spoiling Inception and telling you that DiCaprio's character was actually living inside a snow globe on the moon the entire time. Oh, gosh darn it. Sorry about that. Okay, back to Inception. DiCaprio's character... He's living... If it keeps... Forever... He's living. The camera. It kind of wobbles. And. Best. To a film. Ever. Seriously. Ending. Those that want him. Go ahead and think that. Those that want. Can go ahead and. Dream. Look. Person. Thought of. Everyone with. And deserves. Only. In his, the point is, because again, I'm not here to hold your hand and how I want you to. I'm pretty sure you can for yourself at this point. If I missed something or failed to address something you feel I should have, by all means, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like what I make, but you can still be nice about it. I know you can. I believe in you. It's Dark Dorothy G on Twitter. 
Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com, The Ordinary Sun, that's S-U-N, on Instagram, and if you're interested, there's a Facebook page that rarely, and I mean rarely, gets updated. Also, I have an official Dark Days of Dorothy Gale website. That's ddofdg.com. Short and simple, ddofdg.com. You can, however, listen to every episode straight from the site. No extra download, no login, no nothing. Just a pair of listening ears. Also, looks way better on mobile than on desktop. That's just the way it is. ddofdg.com If you tune in exclusively for the wonderful Wizard of Oz chapters, I have some bad news. It's not coming back. Next week. Or the week after that, for that matter. In fact, I'm just not going to post that last one minute for another three weeks. If my calendar reading and scheduling skills are up to snuff, that means the final Wizard of Oz chapter won't drop until October 19th, 2021, with seven Dark Days chapters coming before it. For context, I'm recording this on... September 26th, 2021. I know, I know, I know. It seems really silly to wait that long for that little... But I really, really, really want both of these books to end at the same time. I know you understand. You seem like a pretty cool person. Or being. Or whatever. Anyway... Come back soon for chapters 51 and 52 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, The Silver Glasses, and The Long Road to Emerald, and The Return to Emerald. Of course, there's the usual aftermath coming up with those as well. Thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>